Welcome to SBC This Week. We're glad that you're listening. I'm Brandon Porter. Laura Erlinson is here with me. Hello, Brandon. We're glad that, that you're listening along with us, Laura. This feels a little less temporary these days. Yeah, we... it does. We're kind of mm-hmm. old hands at this now. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. That's right. Does doesn't take long to become old hands around here. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> so so we're we're continuing to fill in for Jonathan Howe and um Amy Whitfield, and we sure are glad that you're listening to SBC this week. Laura, it is a, a busy time for families mm-hmm. as the school routine and just all of the things of summer have wrapped up and we're now into the fall rush. Uh, state conventions are meeting, task forces and the SBC world are moving along. Uh, the entities are holding their meetings. It is a busy time for it's sure. very busy. You look at your calendar and it's already almost holidays time. And you just are like, like how am I going to get through this? For me, that does not involve pumpkin spice lattes, however. That's right. It, I'm I, with you. This, this is a 100% pumpkin spice free podcast okay <laughs> i just so, don't like them i love coffee but i'm just not a psl fan so i apologize don't send hate mail if you do it's b porter at sbc.net <laughs> yeah that, that's actually where i was going with my next comment <laughs> so you know in in the busyness of life um i read a resource this week in our baptist press toolbox that helped me just in this week a lot going on this week it was from chuck lawless and he talked about ways that he stays close to the Lord in busy seasons, which I'm sure for him is probably most every season. Mm-hmm. Um, but a couple of the things that, that he said in there uh, were first that he tries every morning. The very first thing he does is to say the Lord's prayer, the model prayer, you know, there in Matthew five, um, he finds that that helps to just sort of set his mind, set the tone for the day when he gets out of the bed and gets moving. And then the second thing is that he has a verse of the day delivered to his email inbox. And when he checks his email first in the morning, it's there. And then throughout the day, when he comes back to his email, he scrolls and sees it again. And it just helps him to meditate on that verse. And so I went looking and there are several uh, great resources out on the web where you can have an email uh, verse every day. And uh, they're they're great free resources. So those are a couple of things. Yeah, it was very helpful. So uh, I get my good... my Bible app will sends a verse every okay. day to my phone. Yeah. And I always, even if I'm in a meeting or on the phone or whatever I'm doing, I take just a second to make sure I actually read the verse and absorb it. Mm. And uh, it's it's helpful. Yeah, very good. Well, in just a moment, we're going to get to the news from the SBC. First, though, we want to tell you about our presenting sponsors, uh, The Hill and Subsplash. If you're a pastor who wants to engage with your congregation and build connections beyond weekend services, Subsplash can help. Subsplash allows your community to access messages, resources, and even give from one place, helping congregations connect in ways you never could have before. Learn more at subsplash.com forward slash SBC. When you use that link, you'll get a special discount, but you have to use the link. Again, it's subsplash.com forward slash SBC. Well, Laura, at the top of our list for important SBC events this week, uh, IMB trustees met, and even mm-hmm. more than that was ascending celebration. And so That's why don't you right. tell us about that? Just some of my favorite stories always are the ascending celebration stories, mm-hmm. but a great trustee meeting there in Richmond this week, too. Um, Paul Chitwood said they're in a stronger place financially than maybe ever at mm-hmm. IMB. It's great. Uh, definitely in the past 20 years or so, they passed a $283 million budget. 
Uh, they have 1,285 missionary candidates in the pipeline. Wow. Imagine that. I that's mean, great. that's really amazing. Yeah. And they they honored Rebecca Naylor for her mm. retirement after serving with IMB in all kinds of ways for 50 years. It's amazing. And I got that's to wonderful. meet Rebecca Naylor one time at a missions conference years ago, and I could hardly talk. I was so starstruck. <laughs> so <laughs> I am a huge fan. So it was really neat to see pictures of that and them honoring her on her retirement. And um, the story that, that Baptist Press ran said that there are now 399 healthcare missionaries. And a big part of that is due to her and her her work there. So that's yeah. really cool. Very encouraging. Very encouraging from IMB. Talk to us a little bit about the sending celebration. Um, so yeah, 72 new missionaries as of earlier this week. They sent those out and commissioned them. One of them, when I was reading the story, um, they of course they feature two or three of the different missionaries and families that are being sent out. They always as they always do in these stories, and so I would encourage everybody to of course go read it and read the mm-hmm. whole thing. But one of them in particular, um, a missionary named Stephen Kunkel, his name rung a bell with me, and I'm mm-hmm. like, why do I know that name? So I went back on the BP website and I searched for the name, and sure enough, about ten years ago, the IMB did a series of stories about this family. They are missionaries and were for years in South America. But their son, Stephen Kunkel, had autism mm. and became very interested in Japan and the Japanese culture and language. And even went 10 years ago as a 23-year-old to wow. Japan uh, to, to work there in ministry. And now, here 10 years later, he's 33 now. Wow. He is going to Tokyo. He was commissioned this week. to, And he really wants to work with families of autistic children. And so, it's just really neat story to see that kind of come full circle. Yeah, absolutely. I had a chance to meet him in April at an event at a Oh, neat. I didn't even know that. I did. Cool. Yep. So uh, he he was there with Dr. Chitwood, actually, and mm-hmm. uh, stood up and spoke just a little bit and shared exactly what, what you'd shared. And it was very inspiring to all the pastors and church leaders who, who were there. And so uh, very grateful for him and certainly for all of those new missionaries who are obeying the Lord and following his call uh, to, to go and to take the gospel um, around the world. So we're we're praying for them and we are very excited about how the Lord is at work in their lives. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so though it seems far away, we actually have some pretty significant annual meeting news uh, to share with folks this week. Uh, the first of those comes from Bart Barber. He has unveiled the uh, maybe wave the green flag. How about that? Oh, I um, like it. I yeah, see what you go. did there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> on, um, on the theme for the 2024 annual meeting. Yeah, actually, at the sending celebration, he mm-hmm. came from Texas. He he went all the way to Virginia to attend that celebration, and he preached there, and he unveiled that theme as part of his message there at the sending celebration. The theme comes from Romans chapter 15, mm. verses 5 and 6, and it's one mind, one voice. Mm. So it's really good. For Indianapolis, yeah, one mind, one voice. So I would encourage you to pull your Bible out and read. Romans 15. I did five that and this six. morning. I did this very morning. I thought, you know, I think I know those verses, but I just want to read them again. And yeah, it's a great, it's really great for any time, but I feel it's especially relevant right now. Absolutely. So um, I was in, in a committee on order of business meeting um, a week or so ago, and he shared with the group that he thought at that point that this is where he was going uh, with the theme and uh, got to hear a Bart Barber mini sermon on Romans 15, 5, and 6, and it was uh, very timely, and uh, I think I think folks are going to be very encouraged by the theme and then all that will come with the theme 
as we head toward Indianapolis here over the next few months. Yeah, uh, speaking it'll be here of, before you know it. That's I right. Know. And so you better, you bet, you better get a room um, if you're planning to be there. Uh, and hotel reservations uh, open wide open Monday, October the second. So um, just yeah, you right might be used to those opening on the first, and typically mm-hmm. it is October first. But because that is a Sunday this year, they didn't want people having to think about it on their worship day. And mm-hmm. so the hotel reservations will open on Monday at sbcannualmeeting.net. sbcannualmeeting.net. And they open at 8 a.m. Central Time is when that portal opens. And so uh, I'm, I'm not going to run through all the times. I've started to say 9 o'clock Eastern, but then I thought <laughs> I'll get skipped, tripped up in the math. 8 <laughs> o'clock Central Time. You figure People that know. out. They know where are. they live. That's yeah. right. That's <laughs> right. Um, one other um, sort of thing coming from the EC this week. Uh along the lines of 2024 is the SBC calendar. Um, It was released uh, just a few days ago. Yep. You can download that and look at it at sbc.net slash calendar. The 2024 calendar is available with all of the special emphasis days and, and all of that. So go take a look at that. Okay. All right. One of the things that, that we, uh, want to share with you is uh, an article that that we had this week at Baptist Press on ethnic leaders and how they reacted to the recent changes at the executive committee. Um, And so as we've shared in this program over the last few uh, weeks, it's been a hard time, Laura, at the executive committee as we've dealt Mm -hmm. with these changes because these were folks that that we worked with. And um, our friends, uh, very gifted people. Yeah. Yeah. But we also recognize that they had relationships far beyond what happens just at the executive committee, like in our mm-hmm. in, in our building there. They were making an impact across the country, some of them even across the world. And, and so it was very difficult. Uh, the National Hispanic Baptist Network released a letter uh, that, that expressed their disappointment. Um, that's about 3,300 churches represented there. Um, there were 18 Asian leaders who signed on to that letter to talk about how um, how they, they were concerned and um, just how it had impacted the, the 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 work that they saw happening all around them that they they were excited about. Um, in the article, Jonathan Howe, um, who is our interim president and CEO, called the personnel and operation cuts painful. He, he acknowledged that, uh, that that it is painful, and he said that diversity of representation and leadership is an integral part for the future of the SBC, especially in our trustee system. Um, he talked some about that in the article that was written by Scott Barkley there at Baptist Press. Uh, mm-hmm. Charles Grant is going to step into a role there. Um, he he was with that team, and he is now stepping into a role where his title is the Associate Vice President for Convention Advancement and Relations at the EC. Uh, and uh, Charles said he knows that the cuts have caused a lot of pain. And he said he's looking forward to listening, learning, and discovering ways to leverage opportunities to partner for strengthening diversity in the SBC and advancing the kingdom of God. And um, that's, a, that's one of our longer and deeper stories of the week. And so I'd, I'd encourage folks to go and to read that story at Baptist Press. Yeah, absolutely. It's been a, you know, as we've talked about already two or three times on this podcast, that it's just kind of a hard season uh, at the executive committee right now. And this is just another uh, development in that as we seek to serve the best that we can, Mm-hmm. Um, uh, to serve all of our constituencies and uh, as much as we possibly can. So, uh, yeah, definitely go read that story and be in prayer for Charles as he is uh, trying to work 
Uh, his job is a lot bigger than it was uh, a yeah. few weeks ago, and but Charles is awesome, and is. Um, I know he can do it. So, Laura, we also want to share some news from Guidestone this week. Uh, David Spica, uh, we learn late in the week, is announcing his retirement plan. That's right. That's right. If you have been following Baptist Press for any time, you have probably heard that name before and he- heard him talk many times. He, uh, back at the beginning of the shutdown uh, of the COVID pandemic, Jonathan Howe began doing these monthly calls, video calls with David Spica there at Guidestone to kind of just talk about the economy. Mm. And they would talk about uh, things that were happening, of course, with the shutdown and with PPP loans and the stock market. And of course, everybody was very uncertain back at those in those days of what was going to happen. And David was always a very calm, very reasoned, measured voice, very informative. And I watched every one of those interviews with those two and learned so much from him. Mm-hmm. So David is a great resource there at Guidestone, and he is now retiring. And Brandon Pazuro is taking okay. his place. He's been there at Guidestone for several years now, but this he's kind of moving into this new new role. So that's a a move there at Guidestone this week. And those of you that y'all know David from Baptist Press. So we wish him well. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Uh, speaking of moving on, I want to tell you about a family um, from Georgia. They visited all 32 of the Sin cities. That's yes. pretty fantastic. And we're Sind. They that's didn't right. go to Las Vegas. No, no, it's no. S E N D Sind cities. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. They have traveled 70. Thousand miles wow. in their RV. I guess they wow. probably did go to Las Vegas because that is one of the same cities. Yeah, and they've been to forty-eight out of fifty states, mm. and they have four kids. So this is six people in an RV. They have a seventeen, fifteen, thirteen, and eleven-year-old daughter. Wow, all four daughters. So how about that? Yeah, mm. <laughs> you have teenage daughters. You want to travel the country in an RV with them? <laughs> uh, maybe not to forty-eight of the fifty states. That's right. <laughs> So Kevin and Casey Kilgore and their family just had this on their heart, that this is what the Lord wanted them to do. And they have built relationships with all of these church planners. Kevin Kilgore said that church planners are heroes or rock stars. He said they're rock stars. And they have, some of them they visited more than once, and they've really developed relationships with these church planners. And they've just ministered to them and encouraged them. And that's um, they've now visited all 32 of them. Yeah, it's a fun story and it's also a touching story because it really they, they is. develop relationships with. Yeah, folks. very sweet, yeah. very sweet. Yeah. yeah, very good. Uh, we told you last week about Caring Well Sunday, which happened um, last Sunday, and um, then we came back on Monday at Baptist Press, and we wanted to share just a little bit about what state conventions are doing to prevent sexual abuse and care for survivors. The ERLC had put together a wonderful summary piece that talked about that. And it is really encouraging to see the steps that the state conventions are taking. Uh, many of them have task forces of their own, and they are making great process, progress. That they built websites, uh, they're creating uh, programs and funding for prevention and training, and so um, lots of things to be encouraged about as you read um, about the work happening in state conventions. And and we thank the ERLC for putting that piece together Mm -hmm. and the opportunity to to share that with folks. And then last week, Laura, right after we recorded SBC this week, we we got a story that we just had to share with people because it was so interesting. Um, It was a a summary, I think, um, of ACP data from LifeWay that was very intriguing. Yeah, the annual church profile data, of course, every year, a lot of information comes out of that 
data. It's almost like the Southern Baptist census, if you will. And, you know, every time the census comes out, there's all kinds of different stories that you can write from that information. And so that's very true of the ACP data as well. And this data shows where where churches are growing. And uh, believe it or not, the only region in the United States where Southern Baptist churches are growing numerically is New England. Um, everywhere else, they are either plateaued or declining. And um, also, it showed that the vast majority of our churches are very small. 73% of them are 100 people or less. Um, it showed that most of our churches were, have been founded since 1950, but 23% of them have been founded since 2000. So, a good number of our churches are new church, new churches, church plants. Uh, maybe a lot of those planted in those sin cities that that yeah. the Kilgore has visited, you know, just yeah. in these newer churches in these pioneer areas. And some of those pioneer areas, they're growing, like New England, they're growing uh, numerically, which is very encouraging. Um, but also just a little eye-opening for the in the South and other places that numbers might be declining a little bit. Yeah. 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 So lots of, lots of interesting information in that story. I'd love for you mm-hmm. to go check that out um, at Baptist Press as well. Uh, this coming Sunday... Uh, October 1st is CP Sunday. It kicks off CP Emphasis Month in the SBC in that calendar that we talked about a little bit earlier. Mm -hmm. And so um, lots of state conventions and um, they they, they have resources for you. And we would point you to them to go and to find resources to share with your church family. Uh, We have resources at the executive committee and you can find them at sbc.net videos and uh, downloads and CP stories and and all kinds of different um, resources for folks to understand what the cooperative program is and and how it works, giving through it, where their money goes, and um, all, all of the the great things that 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 we're able to accomplish as Southern Baptists through the cooperative program. And so, I uh, just wanted to point you to those resources as well. Now, Laurie, in just a few minutes, we're we're going to hear from Jay Atkins. Um, and he is leading one of the task forces that has been appointed by Bart Barber. And uh, his task force is looking at the effectiveness of the Great Commission Resurgence. The Great Commission Resurgence was passed back in 2010 um, and in Orlando at the annual meeting there. And um, I look back at some articles that, that we had run now 13 years ago mm-hmm. at Baptist Press, and I just want to fly at kind of a high level here for a minute. Okay. Um, and so, uh, you know, if, if you are an expert in all things Southern Baptist and an expert in the Great Commission resurgence, I hope you'll cut me some slack here. And uh, <laughs> I think because, those people might number on one hand. I don't know. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, I, that was I'm a just long gonna, time ago. Yeah. I'm just going to fly at a high level here. So I'm just warning you. All right. So there, there were uh, seven areas that, that were affected, seven initiatives, I guess you could call them. Uh, one was to present the gospel to every person and make disciples of all nations. Mm-hmm. Second was to adopt core values for working together. And those things are Christ-likeness, truth, unity, relationships, trust, future, and that, that is a look to future generations, the local church and kingdom being kingdom-minded. The third one was Great Commission giving. Um, that also included goals, new goals for Annie Armstrong and Lottie Moon offerings. Um, a fourth one was recommendations for NAM to focus on church planting. Um, and the next one is revising the ministry assignment of the IMB to remove geographical limitations on its mission to reach unreached and underserved 
people groups. And I thought about that the very first week that you and I hosted SBC this week, we had Dr. Chitwood on, and I remember him defining those words uh, right there, unreached and underserved. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. ju- just to think about how that is impacting um, his thinking, the IMB's thinking even now. Uh, so that that's a part of it. Uh, the EC to work with state conventions in the areas of cooperative program promotion and stewardship education. So we just talked about that just yep. a minute ago uh, with CP Emphasis Sunday and CP Emphasis Month. And then uh, the last one was to recommend the CP allocation budget move to the point that the IMB would receive 51% of funding um, through that budget. So 51% of the budget goes to IMB. And the way they wanted to accomplish that was by decreasing the executive committee's percentage of the SBC allocation budget by 1%. Now, you were at uh, Baptist Press in mm-hmm. 20, 2010, Laura. Yeah. Um, any any thoughts when when you hear those as we've done some reading over the last couple of weeks to 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 just sort of begin thinking again about the Great Commission resurgence and its passage back in 2010? Yeah, I mean, a lot of those things have come to fruition, I think. Um, you do see that partnership, I think, of IMB and NAM, um, where IMB is working even in North America uh, to an extent with those unreached people groups that maybe happen to have people living here. Um, you see that in Send Relief, you know, that partnership between mm-hmm. the two entities there. Um, the EC budget was cut pretty significantly back in those days. It wasn't taken down that whole point. Uh, I think it was, it, they wanted it to go down from like two point. 3.6 or something to 2.6, mm-hmm. or I can't remember the exact numbers. It didn't quite go down all the, that whole way, yeah. uh, but it was cut. And, and a CP, CP office here, I mean, I was here the day that that office shut down. Our CP promotion office was um, was closed, and that went more to a state uh, promotional mm-hmm. thing. Of course, Great Commission giving became a thing at that point, and uh, churches have availed themselves of that. So, yeah, a lot of those things have happened, and I think now this task force that Jay is heading up is kind of looking into that. Okay, did we accomplish what we wanted to accomplish with these recommendations? Yeah, yeah. So, so like 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 we said, we're going to hear from Jay Atkins in just a minute. Um, he's been leading this group that has uh, been appointed by SBC President Bart Barber, and they are looking at the effectiveness that comes from a motion by a messenger at the annual meeting in New Orleans, and they're they're going to have a report back in Indianapolis. And so when we come back, we'll hear from Jay Atkins on uh, the work that's been accomplished so far and his thoughts as they move forward. The Hill is a true story about a small town boy who had big dreams of playing Major League Baseball. Ricky Hill faced many challenges as he pursued his dream, a spinal condition that left him in leg braces and a father who wanted him to follow in his footsteps as a pastor. As Ricky overcame his physical challenges and leaned into a strained relationship with his dad, he ended up a big league ball player. The Hill stars Dennis Quaid, Colin Ford, and Scott Glenn. It's at theaters near you and on multiple streaming platforms. Jay Atkins joins us now on SBC this week from a busy airport in New Orleans. Jay, thanks for being with us. Oh, man, I'm happy to be here, Brandon. Thanks for the opportunity to share a little bit with you. So I, I want to know if you're intentionally trying to be the busiest first vice president in Southern <laughs> Baptist history. I blame uh, I blame Bart. Though, <laughs> listen, I, I'd actually, you know, uh, at some point, some folks have suggested maybe I should get some stationary like Wiley Drake did <laughs> back in the day. I refuse to do that. Uh, but yeah, it's all Bart's fault. This is all okay. Bart's fault. 
you're leading the the group that that is looking to just do a, a study on the GCR, the 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 progress that's been made, the impact that's been made. Talk to us a little bit about that work you see in front of you. Sure. Uh, this was an interesting opportunity. I uh, when the when that motion passed uh, here in New Orleans, I was. Uh, uh, a little surprised, and so certainly didn't think I would be in this position at this point. Um, I, I, I'm in an airport right now. I don't have all my material in front of me. I'd love to read to you the motion just to refresh uh, the hearers so that they knew mm-hmm. what was going on. But uh, suffice it to say that uh, basically it was a motion related to uh, an evaluation of the GCR and its outcomes. Um, the motion uh, was uh, given by a pastor from Ohio. Uh, and so in looking at it, it's, it's uh, uh, I don't want to say the motion's vague because it's not vague. It does get to a couple of particular points, um, but it is really, uh, it seems as though it's an opportunity uh, for the president to appoint a committee to really just kind of take an evaluative look of, you know, what, what happened, what, what the um, recommendations were, the components of the original task force uh, report, and then what's happened since then. Uh, mm-hmm. And so... Um, that's that's where we are. I can fill you in on some details as you as you as you're asking. I guess one question just from that is: Have you talked to the pastor who made the motion? Uh, I actually just got a friend request on Facebook from him. Yeah, uh, and so yeah, I have uh, I have not engaged him fully yet. Uh, my life has been a little busy right now, and we're uh, we literally just had our first Zoom meeting uh, with the group that was appointed by Bart, uh, okay. and so that's going to happen. Uh, it just hasn't uh, fleshed out yet. We're still really early in the process, but we got to get rolling. And yeah. so we're going to roll as quick as we can with this. What's your reaction after having that first meeting? Well, first of all, so I can tell you this. When Bart asked me to chair the committee, he asked me to kind of put together a um, kind of a prospectus on uh, what I would think we need to have moving forward, what, what we're going to be doing, kind of how we would flesh out moving forward methodology and so forth. And so I did that, wrote a couple of pages of a prospectus for him, uh, and he approved that. And so uh, part of that was I thought that what we needed was a group of men or women that um, were a little more uh, research-oriented mm-hmm. in nature. So in other mm-hmm. words, because I see this task as being something where we're going to be looking at a lot of data and just fleshing out some data, uh, I thought we really need some folks that are research-oriented. The motion itself asked that uh, we should have kind of a cross-section of people, um, specifically from our partners, the way the motion said it. And so uh, Bart put together what I think is a fantastic group of, uh, happens to be men in this case, uh, it's a small group. Um, in fact, I was uh, I encouraged Bart for, to add a couple, and he said, "No, let's just keep it uh, at this number. We got six people, um, and they're all all of us are researchers, uh, PhD okay. work and uh, doctoral work. Uh, one is a state executive director. Uh, one is an associational missions. Couple of pastors. Couple of seminary researchers. And so it's a really good group. And that, and to answer your question, that was fleshed out really well in that first meeting." Good. I mean, it already. I already see uh, a, a really good makeup of a group who are going to take this job seriously, and I'm I'm excited about that. So, how how do you go about that? How do you go about assessing those GCR initiatives? Well, that's a that's a great question, and we're still working on that. We literally, I had an agenda printed out. Uh, we went about an hour and a half and made it through half the agenda for the what I thought was going to be the first full meeting. We actually have another meeting next week. Okay. Uh, and so we're going to do part two of our first meeting next week where we're going to try to walk through a methodology. Um, here is here is the way I uh, this is what I propose to Bart in, in the prospectus uh, to move forward is to really take a look 
at the original report from 2010, the task force's report, they had um, seven components uh, that they were addressing and then made seven recommendations correlating mm -hmm. with each of the components. Mm -hmm. And so my uh, intention uh, as the task force leader and as I've proposed to Bart is to do a deep dive into those seven components. Okay. Um, two, two of them are very similar to one another. And so ultimately, that would, if we combined two of them, then we would have six components. Well, there are six members of the team. Uh, and so hopefully, at least right now, again, we're very early in the process. Uh, we're going to break the work up. We'll all be doing shared work. Uh, but at the be in the beginning of this, we're going to break the work up and, and move forward in that vein, at least tentatively. At least that's how I see it right now. Again, very early and trying to flesh this out. We are, uh, I told Bart, I think we need to not just look at uh, the material, of course, from the original um, uh, document, the original proposal. Uh, but also, uh, I'm thankful that at some point in years past, Baptist Press put together kind of a, um, an amalgamation of all the different uh, mm -hmm. news reports that were put out during mm -hmm. the work of the task force. And so we're going to use that uh, pretty heavily. We've also, a couple of us have all, all, already been to the Baptist uh, Historical Library and Archives there in the building on the fourth floor mm -hmm. uh, at the EC building. So we've been there. We pulled some of that information. Um, and we're going to look at other published information related to the GCR. Okay. Uh, there are More recently, there are some dissertations and a couple of published books that we're all going to be uh, pouring through to be able to move forward that way. A full methodology. Brandon has not been fleshed out yet. Hopefully we'll yeah. have that by next week, but that's kind of the direction we're going. Yeah. Sounds like you're on the path. Um, so now let's, let's jump ahead all the way to the end. Um, okay. Sitting here now in, in October, almost October, late September. Yeah. Um, what do you think Southern Baptist should expect from this group next June? Uh, let me just tell you, I have no idea. Yeah. Um, I will say this. What they, what they can expect right now, is that we are going to work on a very robust, as thorough as we can be with the material that we have and some limitations, I'm afraid, on some of the material. But we're going to be as robust as we can be. This is a group that uh, I've already told them we, we need to be full of integrity. We need to be uh, dispassionate in our efforts. That's another key point that uh, in talking to Bart about this, that we want men who, we all have biases, we all have opinions, mm -hmm. uh, but we have to be dispassionate in the outcome. We have to look at the facts, the material, and present the material. Uh, we intend to do a number of um, uh, interviews uh, with individuals who were involved and are involved and work through that. And so we just, we want to do this in a limited amount of time and with a very limited budget mm -hmm. uh, because of, for obvious reasons, um, we want to be as robust and thorough as possible while presenting then in June of, of uh, next year in Indianapolis, presenting a well-articulated, um, hopefully not another 20-pager like the original report, mm -hmm. but something that we can present uh, that will be um, something that will glorify God in the end and uh, bless our convention uh, as we move forward. Very good. Well, we really appreciate your work. Um, in this, I know it's it's just extra work um, on top of all the other things that you're doing as a pastor, um, with your family, just in ministry in general. So thank you for doing that. Brother, I appreciate it. It's a, I, I joke with Bart about blaming him and all that. I think I've uh, joked with him about offering some imprecatory prayers upon his head about this. But mm -hmm. really, it is very much an honor. Uh, I know there's another task force that is doing some work that is uh, 
the ones receiving a lot of the focus right now and that we've been praying for them. Uh, there's, a, there's a lot that goes into this, but we just want to see the, the Lord be glorified. All right, Laura. So we are grateful to Jay Atkins for taking some time, even from the busy airport there in New Orleans as he was headed out of town to uh, share with us about the work that his task force is doing. Uh, interesting, interesting history moment for us today. Why don't you share a little bit about that? That's right. I went back 25 years this week in 1998. Mm-hmm. Um, Home Life Magazine, which is published by Lifeway. Yeah. The cover story this week, 25 years ago, was the Makahi Septuplets. Wow. I don't know if you remember this family. Um, 25 years was a long time ago, but I remember this family. I remember uh-huh. the Makahi Septuplets. The, they were the, I, I believe at the time, were like the only living Septuplets that had ever, you know, all survived. Wow. And the family were believers. Okay. They didn't grant a lot of interviews because the the parents wanted the kids to have as normal a life as possible. So they didn't want them to become like, you know, uh, a show for everyone. Yeah. And they, they were a little busy. <laughs> yeah. Well, that too. That too. Yeah. It says this. So, but they did grant home life an interview because they wanted to be able to talk about their faith uh-huh. and what the Lord was doing in their lives. And and um, the, the story said, speaking of busy, the story said that they did 45 bottles, bottle feedings every day, wow. did two loads of laundry every day. Mm-hmm. And I, God only knows how many diaper changes. I don't mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, so I went back and looked um, up these uh, septuplets because I just kind of wanted to see, yeah, I kind of remember this, like whatever happened to them. And so they were on the cover of Home Life when they were about a year old. But then they went on to uh, four of the seven went to Hannibal LaGrange University, wow. a Southern Baptist school right there in Hannibal, Missouri. So I had no idea. I just looked them up and I thought, well, how about that? They they ended up being a Southern Baptist educated. So how about that? That's awesome. So, Laura, I tell you, I can I can relate a little. I like, bet because you like, have, you know, we have you five, had three, three little right, ones, though, three. right? At the same kind of same time. We did. We had three in diapers at the same time. And oh, um, my goodness. Yeah, it's it's some work, I tell you. So yeah. <laughs> they yeah. had to have some help. Surely they had like their mom moved in or something. Yeah, I can't imagine having seven all at once. My wow. goodness, lots of help. Absolutely. God bless them. Well, they're all t- 25 now, so they're all hopefully kind of doing their own thing. Well, listen, we sure are glad that, that you've been with us for SBC this week. We want to thank our presenting sponsors, The Hill and also Subsplash. Laura, thanks again for a great week at Baptist Press. and for Thank you, Brandon. Uh, yep, absolutely. And this time together at SBC this week. Thanks for listening. <laughs>